It's time to focus on wilderness medicine. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Andrew Kukowski, and I'm at the 2008 Wilderness and Mountain Medical Conference in Park City, Utah, joined today by Colin Grissom, MD, current fellow and president-elect of the Wilderness Medical Society, also happens to be a critical care physician at the Intermountain Medical Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. Today, he's speaking with us about the Wilderness Medical Society itself. Colin, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Wow. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a critical care physician at the Intermountain Medical Center in Salt Lake City, and I have a long association with the Wilderness Medical Society. When I was a medical student in the late 1980s, I applied and received a research grant from them to do a study on Mount McKinley on high-altitude illness, on uh, the use of acetazolamide in the treatment of acute mountain sickness. And that was my first publication in research, and I went on to become academic physician with subsequent publications, but the Wilderness Medical Society funded my first study, and then I went back to them when I was a fellow in pulmonary and critical care, and I did some more studies on high-altitude illness and received some more grant money from them. So uh, I really feel like they helped me get started in high-altitude illness research, a special interest of mine, because I was a a high-altitude climber, and I had an interest in high-altitude illness and high-altitude physiology. So uh, subsequent to that, I provided service to the Wilderness Medical Society in a number of different positions. For many years, I was on the research committee, and the major function of the research committee is to award research grants every year to people who have studies that they send to us for proposals uh, in wilderness medicine. And we're the only organization, uh, academic medical society, that uh, provides research support specifically for studies in wilderness medicine. How large are the stipends that you guys usually offer? They're anywhere from five to $10,000. And so it's not a lot of money, but particularly for... Medical student, that's a lot of money, yeah. Exactly. Medical student or resident or fellow who needs some money of their own to be able to pursue an independent uh, line of investigation with a mentor in a field of wilderness medicine. It can mean the difference between being able to do it and not. And yeah. We've funded some very interesting studies that have led to many publications in the peer-reviewed literature. The Wilderness Medical Society has as its mission medical care, education, and research in wilderness medicine. So to that end, we're the only organization that helps support research in wilderness medicine. Who are sort of the founding fathers of, of the society? The founding fathers of Wilderness Medical Society are three physicians, Paul Auerbach, Ed Gear, and Ken Kaiser. And they founded the Wilderness Medical Society in 1983. So this uh, coming year is our 25th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's grown since then. We now have almost 3,000 members from all over the world. And we have at least one, usually two or more meetings a year. This is our uh, winter meeting that we're at right now. And we'll have a summer meeting in the past years. It's been at Snowmass. And our 25th anniversary meeting this summer is in Snowmass, Colorado in late July. Great. And it, what I think is so wonderful is that you get a chance to learn, but you also get a chance to recreate at these conferences. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, we're really focused on providing up-to-date information to the attendees at the conference on topics in wilderness medicine, but also we have a lot of workshops or educational opportunities that occur outside. So, for example, at this meeting, not only do we talk about the physiology of avalanche burial victims and how to take care of them and hypothermia, We also have an avalanche certification course for people to actually get educated about avalanche safety that's run by a guide service. And then we have workshops that are specifically outdoors, whether it be uh, 
packaging uh, and somebody who's injured for transport in a winter environment like a ski patrol does or if you're in the wilderness, improvisational packaging. And then snow shelter building. uh, Snowshoes. Snowshoeing, yeah, backcountry skiing. And on all of these, we have people who are knowledgeable in hypothermia or the medical issues of travel in a winter environment, whether that be clothing and nutrition or safety issues related to avalanches. So they're out there in the field with the registrants. And it's a great way to combine uh, being outdoors and doing things outdoors with learning about medicine related to wilderness. And it's a CME-approved course, correct? Yes, it is. We have our own CME accreditation. We're uh, independently accredited, and uh, we offer CME for all of these courses. Now, our, our schedule in summer and winter is pretty similar. The mornings are usually general, more traditional plenary sessions with lectures, but then the afternoons are, are workshop-oriented. In the summer, we have um, GPS uh, orienteering um, and uh, more packaging, uh, sometimes uh, even fly fishing or photography in the uh, summer. Yeah, this, it's quite a variety of things that we offer. That's really cool. Now, you are a critical care physician yourself in Salt Lake City. I'm kind of interested in finding out, do you see living in Utah in, at altitude? Are you seeing some of what we're talking about at the conference today? I mean, are you seeing high altitude problems? Yes, we do. Because we have many destination ski resorts, we have a lot of people who travel from sea level to altitudes, sleeping altitudes of seven to 8,000 feet in one day, uh, particularly in the winter for skiing. And so we do see people with uh, high altitude illness and some people who get very ill with high altitude illness and require admission to one of the medical centers in Salt Lake City. Another uh, aspect of my job is that I'm the assistant medical director for uh, the air ambulance service at Intermountain Medical Center, and that's Life Flight. And because uh, we are immediately adjacent to wilderness areas, mountainous wilderness areas, as well as desert and canyon wilderness areas in Utah, I supervise an air ambulance program where many times our helicopters are called upon to assist with uh, search and rescue operations in various counties. And so I need to apply the uh, things that I've learned in wilderness medicine to those uh, situations. So you're really putting into practice what you're learning in the classroom. That's great. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. This is the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm the host, Dr. Andrew Kurkowski, and I am joined by Colin Grissom, MD, current fellow and president-elect of the Wilderness Medical Society here at the 2008 Wilderness and Mountain Medicine Conference in Park City, Utah. So, Dr. Grissom, you are, you are saying a little bit about how your own job as a physician overlaps with what you're learning at the conference. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the physicians that actually are drawn to the society. What, what backgrounds do they have? Is it mixed, or are most people critical care, emergency medicine physicians like yourself? I would say that most are um, emergency medicine or family practice, more primary care-based specialties. Uh, Then we have a a, a real variety of anesthesiologists and surgeons and surgical subspecialists, as well as uh, some uh, radiologists and pathologists. But mostly it's people who are involved in primary care specialties, uh, pediatrics included, But it's really a broad uh, range of people who are drawn to the Wilderness Medical Society. It's because they have a common interest in um, pursuing activities in wilderness environments, whether that's the mountains, desert, ocean, tropical environments. Do you have to be sort of an expert, quote unquote, in one particular outdoor activity to join? Or is it open to someone like myself who might just like to be a weekend warrior in all sorts of different aspects of outdoors? It's open to everybody. And part of the purpose of this medical society 
is to provide an opportunity for people who have an interest in wilderness medicine to be able to pursue that interest no matter what their experience level or knowledge level in wilderness medicine. What other services besides the education component that we already discussed, what sort of services are offered the membership? Well, I think the membership receives other things from membership in the Wilderness Medical Society, and that includes the journal Wilderness and Environmental Medicine. Oh, you you have your own journal? Yes, we do. It's a uh, indexed peer-reviewed journal, and and that comes with the membership, as with uh, a lot of other medical societies that have their own journal. And it's the only journal devoted to the broad area of wilderness medicine. There are some other journals that are more specialty-oriented towards different aspects of wilderness medicine, but we're the only one that tries to encompass wilderness medicine in general. And then we also have a magazine that we publish and that members receive, and that has uh, timely articles related to wilderness medicine and uh, current things. Many times focuses on trips that people have done where they've gone to different environments where they've practiced wilderness medicine. That's really interesting. Does the society exist sort of in a vacuum as an independent organization, or have you branched out and made informal partnerships with other medical associations? We have informal partnerships with other medical associations, but we're pretty much independently organized, and our infrastructure is run independent of other medical societies. But there are medical societies where there's crossover in travel medicine and infectious disease. Then there's an international organization called the uh, International Society for Mountain Medicine, There we have a little more formal relationship with them where there's some sharing of some of the membership uh, benefits and there's a reduced uh, fees for joining each one of those societies. So there's a lot of societies that we have common interests with, but they uh, tend to be more specialty societies. We try to encompass all aspects of wilderness medicine. And and truly is an international organization. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We have members from all over the world. What's your vision for the society over the next couple of years? You'll be president next year, is that correct? Yes. And what's on your agenda? What are some of the big issues and what are some of the the big objectives that you're hoping maybe to accomplish in your tenure? Well, I think that going back to our primary mission, there's two objectives. And uh, one is to continue to provide opportunities for uh, members to learn wilderness medicine in different environments. And I would like to see more participation from the membership in the meetings themselves, meaning uh, having opportunities to share their knowledge, particularly the fellows in the Wilderness Medical Society, through workshops that are run by fellows or teaching sessions done by fellows of the Wilderness Medical Society. So I think our strength is our membership, and to share the knowledge base of the members is an important thing to help our society uh, cultivate the knowledge base in the members and share it. And then the other objective has to do with research, and I think our unique position is the only society that offers research grants, that uh, an effort to build uh, the funding for research projects is uh, very important and to make sure that that continues. What specific areas of research are you interested in? Well, my interest is in uh, high-altitude illness or avalanche burial physiology and hypothermia in wilderness medicine, but we will entertain proposals from just about every aspect of wilderness medicine, whether it's high-altitude, hypothermia, heat illness, desert survival. We've even funded uh, studies, like, for example, one we funded last year had to do with the impact of physicians going into a third world country and providing medical care and and a medical mission type project and then leaving. And what does that do to the infrastructure of the healthcare within that country and what things are beneficial and what things may actually not be beneficial to the local infrastructure? That's really amazing. That's something actually I learned uh, firsthand working with the relief 
effort in, in Philadelphia. Uh, it's very cutting-edge research. It's amazing. And um, what's the opportunities for medical students? Um, we have a special medical student organizations at, that medical students can form a student interest group, and then they have reduced fees for joining the Wilderness Medical Society. And, for example, the, each student interest group gets a subscription to the journal and the magazine as a student interest group. And then many of these student interest groups form a, a loose organization and have their own side activities at our annual meeting. We have a very active medical student contingent. Speaks well for the future for the Wilderness Medical Society. Well, I want to thank Colin Grissom, president-elect of the Wilderness Medical Society, for joining us today at the 2008 Wilderness and Mountain Medicine Conference in Park City, Utah. For more information about the Wilderness Medical Society, please visit them on the web at www.wms.org. And for more information about this program, please visit us at reachmd.com. Thanks for joining us, and good luck next year, Dr. Grissom. Thank you very much.